We've got a slightly different format this morning. We're going to uh, have some interaction uh, with, with Lainey, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Well, I, I did at least. I haven't asked you how it went for you this morning. But uh, um, for those of you who have been here, I uh, will know we finished this series last Sunday uh, on the I Am sayings of Jesus, and we um, heard from where you guys, I wasn't here, heard from David about Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and this idea of bearing fruit. And next uh, Sunday, we're starting a new series. We're kind of semi-starting it this Sunday called uh, Life in Babylon. It's a series on Daniel that we're going to be starting uh, next week. And so Lanny is kind of helping us transition um, and picking up on the theme from last Sunday, but leading us into next Sunday with this uh, title you've chosen, A Fruitful Life in Babylon. So the fruitfulness picking up on on the vine, and, and then the idea of Babylon picking up on, on the Daniel series. So why, why have you picked this topic of, of fruitfulness, Lainey? Thanks, Kieran. Um, I really love getting this message of today's interview out far and wide. It's part of empowering all God's people to flourish in everyday mission. And we hope today we'll give you a little taste and broaden those horizons to help you show and shine and share the gospel so today's session we're looking at is we'll have a little bit of biblical basis and practical ideas to help us really open our eyes to the bigger possibilities that God's put around us. And that's really all of us, and uh, including in our church. We've run these fruitfulness lesson, lessons uh, with our children as well and done these This Time Tomorrow interviews. We do those with our tweens and teens about their front lines. And so we're looking at six ways which people are probably already doing but don't realise we find God at work. And we're praying we can expand your sights on Jesus' command to go into all the world and what it means to love and serve Jesus by loving and serving those he's put right where you are, wherever you are, really it's wherever you are. And so we could just do our set tasks and switch off at the end of the day. And, but we're looking at seeing our work and other people and ourselves as the creator does. And that means more than just good behaviour. What we do and say are undergirded by a different view of humanity, a different source of wisdom, and by knowing we're working for our ultimate boss, the heavenly one. So we're thinking about what if, by developing friendships on our front lines, could make our day richer and have an impact on other people's day or more than that, impact their lives or even their eternal life. So what if love for people could do that? And in what ways could we show that? And so we're talking friendship or just improving another person's day. And I've got a little example from in the city. And so I've been praying with Jay for more than four years. In her actual work day, her tasks, they're quite menial. Her day's a bit of a treadmill. There's lots of frustrations. There's difficult managers and situations. And if it was just about the work... Jay would leave. But God has shown her and us who are praying with her, he's shown us time and time again that he has her there for his higher purposes. And it's in the relationships that she has there. Showing how, that, how she's loved people, she gets the opportunity to be a chaplain on the spot and she brings that little ray of cheerful sunshine. They miss her when she's away. She's even managed to turn a really difficult co-worker who disrupted the whole team this person had no friends and they've been able to develop a friendship and smooth out that difficult edges as well. And she gets to speak the wisdom of the Bible into other people's lives and um, build really fruitful friendships there. And so that was through prayer and reliance on God and so there's lots of meaning in making a difference. And so that's one of the reasons uh, City Bible Forum exists, to help get alongside Christians and help them see their front lines in a new light. 
and to see that God is there and Christians can flourish in fruitfulness for Jesus. So, uh, Lanny, in your title you've got uh, terms like Babylon and um, fruitfulness and you used the word frontline when you spoke earlier as well. Can you unpack some of those terms for us? Let's do that. We're going to hop into Babylon first. I'm skipping Anne. So we're talking to us here in Australia, but we're using Babylon as a concept rather than a place. And, of course, you'll know from reading Daniel that it was an historical nation, an empire, and the place where the, the book of Daniel is going to take place in your Life of Babylon series over the next few weeks. But for us now, through Revelation, Babylon's a metaphor. It's a symbol of worldliness, idolatry, and immorality. And we see in in Revelation 17 that from Babylon comes whores and the earth's abominations. And we have this description here in Revelation 18, which Kieran's going to read for us. So this is a hard-hitting description of of, uh, Babylon uh, as as a metaphor for the world in Revelation 18. God called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It has become a dwelling place of demons, a haunt of every foul spirit a haunt of every foul bird, a haunt of every foul and hateful beast. For the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you do not take part in her sins, and so that you do not share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So what we're seeing there, Revelation, and some of you might have caught ACL's Babylon event last weekend, Babylon is the godless, secular city or nation. It's proud, rebellious, no need of God, shameless, self-indulgent. It corrupts the innocent. It's drunk on power, hubris and pride, and Empire built on disobedience and designing a life for themselves, devoid of God. So if that's feeling a bit familiar about our life now, that's what we're trying to see. And there in verse 4, God's people are not to take part in Babylon's sinful ways, even if they find themselves in the midst of Babylonians. Great. So that's that. you've unpacked Babylon uh, for us. What about uh, the, this idea of fruitfulness or, or the front lines that front you've line. talked about? Let's go to front lines first. So our front lines, that's every single one of us, are anywhere where we spend significant time in our week in contact with non-believers. So work's an obvious one, plus there's school or uni, the school gate, the gym, the cafe, and retirees have other community opportunities. So our front lines are anywhere, and I'll give lots of work examples, but keep hearing front line, because we do all have a front line, and I look forward to hearing about some of yours afterwards. So through Jesus, every single one of us is in ministry. God has put all of you in places where Kieran and myself can't go. So it gives us the opportunity to be his hands and feet in those places, as the verse from 1 Peter on the screen says. Indeed, uh, this is 1 Peter. Conduct yourselves honourably among the Gentiles, so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honourable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. So this uh, does apply to us as well. So although it uses that good translation there of 
Gentiles. Other translations use pagans or non-believers. So Peter's describing living amongst non-Christians or those who are not God's people. And that's just like Daniel and his friends whilst they were exiled in Babylon. And Peter likewise, if you see the intro to the letter, he calls the recipients exiles too. So our front line is where we're called to live and work joyfully and overflowing with love. Our front lines are out there beyond our church doors. Jesus puts our followers, each of us, in so many places. We're citizens of the kingdom and we bear fruit for the kingdom and that's for his glory. So on our fruit, we do find, if you think of the Bible, we find fruit in the first and last pages of of scripture in the Garden of Eden and in the New Jerusalem and pretty much lots of places all the way through in between. And you'll see through the Bible that God has desire for fruitfulness and it's as extensive as the gospel in what God has done in Christ in bringing people back to himself and in setting in motion his plan to restore the whole of creation, including all the work of our hands on all our human activities. So he does that. And as you've covered, union with Jesus in the vine means participation in that restored end-time people of God who are called to bear fruit to God's glory. And fruit is anything that which brings glory to God. And so we see there in that verse in John 15, 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the vine imagery in that chapter points to access to life and vitality. So we're praying and working to see fruit in the spread of the gospel. And I've highlighted in both those slides in rosy red, pointing to glorifying God, because what we're trying to see is wherever he puts us, it's to glorify him. Wherever he, whatever he has us do, it's to glorify him. And he continues to pick, pick up on that fruitfulness in verse 16. And we see who it is has sent the disciples and he sends each one of us to go. And so as you work through the book of Daniel over the coming weeks, you'll see that Daniel's not in Jerusalem with God's people, but in exile in Babylon. His front line is amongst polytheistic pagans. And you'll see how Daniel did remind or abide with God while there in Babylon. Daniel was a branch. He drew strength and comfort and blessing from God, his vine. And Daniel bore much fruit for God's glory. Yeah, and it's uh, it's encouraging for me as pastor to hear stories of people's fruitfulness on the front lines. I've already heard uh, many uh, this morning. You guys... uh, who've been around will know that we've done the This Time Tomorrow uh, interview series to, to, to kind of get to exactly that point about people being fruitful uh, on their different front lines to encourage uh, that, that fruitfulness, just like Daniel uh, was uh, fruitful on his front line. So, uh, Lenny, is, is the main way that we do that or, or is the only way that we do that just in the workplace just trying to actually share the gospel, like tell people uh, about Jesus, or are there other ways of doing it? I think I've given some hints in saying show, shine, and share the gospel. We are going to look at six practical areas of fruitfulness. So if you see that list there, we minister grace and love, mouthpiece for truth and justice, modeling godly character. I'll go really quick because we'll go through each one. Modeling culture, making good work, being a messenger of the gospel. Basically, we're seeing there's lots of ways that God uses us. So be encouraged. You probably are being fruitful in many ways already and haven't realised it. So Mark Green, who put these together, helpfully made them all start with M or have an M. 
And today we're just looking at a really, really quick intro and hope you look deeper, especially in the Bible. And I'm looking forward to sharing a case study of someone who's applied these in their workplace and hope you can see that in your front line. Fantastic. So fruitfulness, uh, M, six of them. Can you tell, take us through the first two, Minister Grace and Love being a mouthpiece for truth and justice? Yeah, let's start with Minister Grace and Love and... You can read our Bible passage from Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Uh, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead, even when we were dead, through our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So if we're looking for ourselves, so we might think we're not experiencing grace and love from people in our workplaces or wherever our front lines are, but we do know the grace and love of our awesome creator. So this, and likewise, there's many ways that we can minister grace and love, how we can share practical love and care and kindness for those who need it. And it shows through how we respond in difficult or ordinary situations. Uh, one aspect I'd like to point out is keeping an eye out for lonely people. Tune your ears and eyes and um, you'll often find... Even in crowded places, we have lonely people. There's opportunities to put in some friendly conversation, to show interest and take a lunch break together. And there's even a little tip from science that says, um, even just little hellos or conversations, say in the coffee queue, even with strangers, there's a little boost that happens between us for both of you. So we're hoping you can not just wish someone a nice day, but you get to be the nice in their day. That's just a few ways we minister grace and love. Our second one, we can be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Which uh, is famously put in Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So in this great verse here in Micah and really throughout the whole Old Testament, we learn that the God of Israel cares deeply about the ethical conduct of his people. He cares about their relationship with him and about justice and goodness. So to walk humbly with your creator is to rely on him and have his character. And he can give you the courage and the wisdom to respond in the right way to any issues of injustice you might encounter. So what this means out there on that front line, there'll be times when it means speaking up against things that are unfair, unhealthy or untruthful and speaking up for things that are true and just and good. And when we're working um, with truth and justice in mind on our front lines, we're looking forward to seeing people as humans, they're images of God with dignity. And if you think about, there's no lowest or highest CEO in the God's kingdom of workers. So we'll treat all people well, not speaking negatively to or about people. So pray for help to love difficult people and pray seeking good for them, finding positives and that we can you know, have gratitude during the day that God helps us with that. We see this, uh, it struck me as you were sharing that we see this so clearly in the Lord Jesus, ministering grace, the compassion, the healings, friend of sinners and tax collectors, but also, uh, what is it, mouthpiece for justice. You see him so often speaking mm. truth and justice, so strong that, that both of those things in the ministry of our Lord. Um, I was 
praying to minister grace to a, to a girl on holiday who in the pool had just sort of dropped a little hint that her, her dad had, had passed away. She was an eight-year-old girl and was praying. And she'd done it twice and it was like, okay, she's kind of fishing here or, or whatever and prayed. And just out of the blue, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. uh, in the next moment, she just came up to me and said, oh, I'm a Catholic. Do you go to church on Sundays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we just had this conversation. Of, and I was like, well, not only do I go to church on Sundays, I, um, I, I'm actually a pastor of, of a church. And she's like, what? And so just God answering really prayer really like does. that uh, and ministering grace. Uh, and, and the conversation went from there. But um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm interjecting with my own <laughs> things. So give, take us through the next we two M's uh, about this fruitfulness. Yeah, a couple more practical ways. Let's look at modelling godly character. Let's have a look at Paul's letter to the church in Galatia for our third M. So Galatians 5, Paul says, By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. So think of our frontline Babylon life. It does have tough times and easy times. We find ourselves working with difficult people and delightful people. So within this mix, how would, might we manifest those fruits of the Spirit listed there? And we also do find ourselves mixing, dealing with difficult people for those who don't have the fruit of the Spirit. So we can pray and think about how do we respond to obnoxious peers or an ogre boss. And a key thing about our front lines is that they're really important places that God uses. He, he helps us uh, where our godly character can be both developed and displayed in us. So God uses our front lines to shape our godliness and make us more like Jesus. And our fruit of the Spirit is characterised by inner assurance and selfless love. helps us be others-centred on our front lines. And we have that secure relationship in God, which this frees us up to unmask and we can be vulnerable where it's appropriate. And that opens up, um, it's an opening for others to share in their struggles. Somehow you did that. (laughs) that she opened up Um, and it gives us the opportunity to speak into their lives on to our next M which is moulding culture I must be too heavy handed on this button (laughs) there we go, moulding culture Oh, I, let me read, sorry, Jeremiah 29, 7, such a wonderful verse. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So this verse and really the whole passage we read there in Jeremiah is the desire to bless others with shalom. That's desiring peace, wholeness, flourishing and well-being for another. And, of course, the greatest prosperity shalom is peace and wholeness for people that they can know is found in relationship with the creator God. So a few front lines, our sports club, our school mums group, our men's shed or our community cult, group, community group, they have a particular culture, the way we do things around here. So some of those things will reflect God's values and some probably won't. So we're hoping you'll be able to affirm good things about that culture in that front line and there are probably ways you'll be able to make your front line a better place. And although you might be able to change things on your front line by next Friday, 
uh, we pray and take a few steps and a few small actions. There might be things that bother you and think about what are the values that underpin them and what could be done better to make a place for people to flourish and what would make it more like God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'd love to chat to some of you about frontline cultures you've been part of where we encourage human flourishing. I've been so stirred by this recently, reading the post uh, and the constant negativity about development on our foreshore and and disputes within the council. And I've, brothers and sisters, I've just become convinced that uh, none of that is going to get fixed apart from uh, the hand of God and the prayers of the saints here and uh, moulding the culture of our council and of our foreshore. I've become convinced that it's as we hear Jeremiah 27 and pray to the Lord on its behalf that we're going to see these I don't know, I've only been here four years, but I hear it's been happening for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced it's through our prayers that it's going to get mm. resolved. And that's why God has put us here. Mm. Okay. So I do have a great example of how prayer has helped with this. Now, from the last group, some of you know PJ. <laughs> so basically, PJ in her workplace, uh, she, see, she likes to see the people there the way God sees them and to make it a place where they can flourish. She has an admin support role in an engineering company at this time. When she arrived, the people weren't working as a team. They, they had a very difficult director who was quite direct, uh, really directive <laughs> and not collaborative, and he's very reactive and set people up for failure, very critical, even in staff meetings, and really in, um, encouraged people. So they, you can imagine how that the effect that had on the workers there. There was an undercurrent of fear and resentment and grumbling. And when PJ arrived there, at least half of them were looking for jobs elsewhere. And they didn't even want to come to their Christmas party. No more time than the work hours and the need to spend with each other. So PJ was able to pause and make observations and had a prayer team around her praying for God's insight. So she was able to pick up that the director is a good operator He's a hard worker, but just a bit lost for the trees. Um, what's it called? The woods for the trees, uh, due to being overloaded. So she was able to come to understand um, where that reactivity came from. So she was able to get alongside and implement some ideas for a more encouraging environment. And she did that a number of ways. But the results were that people stopped looking for other jobs. They didn't leave. The staff meetings became more organised and chaired by the other managers, not the director, and the meetings are no longer dreaded by the, or feared by the staff because, yeah, he was pretty nasty in them. So now with the managers and the work more distributed, the director doesn't have to micromanage every detail. And so the Christmas party the following year was organised by PJ and some of the other managers, not the director. And so most of them came. So... Helping her perseverance and her effort was um, having a prayer team. So like the others in that workplace, she certainly wanted to leave as well. It was really hard being discouraged. Uh, there were tears. And, of course, hard to see others being discouraged and in tears. But PJ has a loving and serving mindset because her true boss, her ultimate boss, is her saviour who served his people and what has also really helped PJ is being part of that other prayer team. Lots of reminders. And so we are able to apply the Bible and look for prayer on all aspects of her workday and everyone in the group. 
um, to pray for strength, for courage and wisdom, and that all comes from him. And we're able to pray for patience and grace for God to change that outlook and how all, everyone in the group sees the people around them. And the prayer team was also an opportunity to support each other in struggles, putting these M ideas into practice and celebrating those little improvements because he is a gracious God answering those prayers. And the prayer teams are always reminding each other that Jesus is walking with them into the workplaces. So you can see in that little story from PJ, we will call that justice working, standing up for others and herself. And we can see that God brought flourishing through his instrument, PJ, and a little taste of the kingdom into the workplace there. And as they worked more as a team than they had originally and had happier work days, we're pretty sure that we think the families that these workers went home to, they probably benefited as well. And that's this shalom, wholeness and flourishing. So we're showing how reflecting on these M ideas with a little bit of thought and prayer and being intentional, looking outwards and relying on God's strength helps us to love and to serve. So he helps, it helps us see him at work and give thanks. So we've, we've covered the first four M's there. Let's jump straight into our last two. We're going to make good work with Colossians. Make good work. Colossians 3.23. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. So we'll unpack, unpack this one a bit. So making good work that's paid and unpaid includes both what we do and how we do it. It means doing good work, the tasks. There's serving other people, contributing to human flourishing and being stewards of creation. Think of the tasks of a farmer providing food and the truck driver delivering it. All these tasks can be done for him. And I always like pointing out a critical task of saving lives in hospitals. I know who you're thinking of, but I'm thinking of the cleaners. That's a critical life-saving activity there in the hospital. And so making good work is doing our work consciously for the Lord. It's in his spirit. It's to his glory, seeking his wisdom, his strength, and his touch there. So this can include being in your community activity or club with integrity, seeking excellence and diligence, doing your best, but it's with his transforming help. And so we can call on God during and before our work day and giving thanks throughout the day, wherever your front line is. So what we're seeing here is there's an aspect where this is incarnational working, it's tasks that anyone could do. But as his people, we have the spirit who is empowering us and this working, and that's all to his glory. See, it's a different mindset when we're there. Now, we're most familiar with this one. Yes, being a messenger of the gospel, Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And as we see there, the the most life-transforming words are the words of the gospel. And of course, that's the best news we can share with anyone on our front line. And having a go at some of the other M ideas, they often lead to opportunities to to be this messenger. All the other M's are God at work, but we we do need to be clear that the gospel is words. But in the other aspect of that is we don't want everyone to be 
driven by false guilt. We want to rest in God and trusting his timing. We're building trust in relationships. Uh, We're caring for people and sharing what Jesus has done in our life and what he offers to everyone. Another idea is enjoy your Bible reading and overflow with it. Share those words that you're loving and what he's teaching you. So uh, what's a practical path for us towards fruitfulness on the front lines? Uh, I think I've hinted about prayer. Prayer must underpin all our gospel endeavours. God's at work and you're his instruments and you want to be open to having his heart for the loss, open to take those myriad of opportunities he's put before you. There's lots. And it's amazing how many there are when you're praying for them, especially when you're in that supportive prayer with others. So you mightn't get an opportunity every week, but ask God for whom he'd want you to pray for and team up with others and that support for each other, plus you get to share wisdom and hold each other accountable. His trust and dependence, and it's our trust and dependence on him in prayer, he changes our attitude to our front lines and to people. He helps us look outwards more and inwards less. And during that wherever we are on our front lines, look upwards especially to his purposes. So we might think we're just a little cog in a big wheel and our activities can't make a difference, but we can be a difference. We were looking at showing interest in other people, showing love and extending grace. So he helps us set our mindset to see the creator on those front lines and he's bringing a little piece of his kingdom to front lines. That's wonderful, Lainey. Can you, uh, it would be great if you could pray uh, for us uh, and, um, and, and sum up those six M's. Yeah, let's draw that together. There's the six M's there again, or there's a great little summary sheet there. I've put some at the back or some on my table you can grab from me. And, okay, it might look like a list, but don't try to do, or you don't have to do all of them. Just go one idea and remember to pray. Hmm. Key is jump off that guilt treadmill because really I'm pretty sure he's already using you and we've got six ways and they have oodles of um, options of how we can use you there and I'm thinking as you go through Daniel over the next few weeks with the various preachers think about the six m's that Daniel is demonstrating and see how he's being fruitful and see how it's to God's glory you could even keep that little summary in your bible each week And this gives you a little background. So it's, that's John 15. A little bit small. You can, I've got more copies you can look at there. <laughs> um, abiding in him and fruitfulness on whatever front line he's given us. So reliance on him there. Our front lines are places where he has put you and he is present. Ask for and have his help to look around with a new heart and new eyes. God's using us, bringing him joy, using us in big and small ways to his glory. Just be available. And so what we're doing here is we're praying that these ideas liberate God's people, everyday mission, and that's central to God's purposes. It's critical to the church's mission and health. It's quite vital for reaching Cottesloe, Perth, WA, all of Australia for Christ, and it's really quite urgent. But to help us... Open our eyes there. You might think um, we're encouraged to build bridges and make new relationships when on our front lines there's warm relationships. The bridges are already built. Relationships are already there. And this is a quote from Mark Green. 
we're encouraged to go out and fish in pools and puddles, you know, little, little bits of water, when we are sitting on a lake full of fish. So you do already have those relationships. Your, la- your lake, your front line is already full of fish. So God is at work wherever he puts us, in our workplaces, our businesses, the school gate, the gym, our community activities. And he does use each one of us for his purposes in the ordinary things of every day. There's so many ways each of us are his instruments of grace and in so many places, ways and opportunities to shine, show and share the gospel, to bear much fruit. I'm going to pray for us from Colossians. Lord God, we continually ask to fill us with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that we may live a life worthy of you, Lord, and to please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that we may have the great endurance and patience on front lines wherever you have put us. We pray you would help us work with sincerity of heart and reverence for you, Lord. Whatever you've given us to do, may we work at it with all our heart, as we're not working for human masters or ourselves for you, Lord. And we pray and know that we're receiving an inheritance from you as a reward. With joy, it is you, Lord, we are serving. Whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. For his glory. Amen. Amen.